But we are, we are in a series um, in the book of Joshua, and if you could put that map up, please, that would be great. Did I leave a thing here? Hammy, are you sitting on something here? No. There, this thing. That thing. And um, one of the great tragedies of the Christian life is to come out but not go in. One of the great tragedies that we can live in our relationship with Jesus is for him to save us out of something but not allow him to take us into something. And the part of what God has for us is to come out of slavery and bondage and into an inheritance. And that's what the book of Joshua is, is the people of God going into an inheritance. And uh, what, what I have behind me is the map of the time of that time of Joshua, the Exodus, and the time of Joshua. And there's three parts to this, three, three parts to this map. The first part is this sec section over here. This is Egypt. This over here, number three, is where they crossed, where, where they say they reckon that they crossed the Red Sea. So they were all, the, the people of God for 400 years were in bondage under Pharaoh. And what happened was, is God said, actually, I want my people to come out and worship me. He, he chooses Moses. Moses goes and gets them, and he pulls them across. And they go across the Red Sea, and the sea opens before them. They go across on dry ground. As they get to the other side, the Pharaoh and his armies come after them, and the sea's waters close over them, and Pharaoh's armies are defeated in the process, and God's people are free on the other side of the sea. And then what happens is God takes them on a journey. He takes them on a journey. This, this, this dotted blue line is the, is the journey that kind of they reckon that they went on. And this is this, this, where they go. They go through a bunch of places. They go through Elam. They go through Mara where the waters were sour and, and they were turned sweet as God shows them, continues to teach them on the journey. You see, God could easily have just taken them from there straight up there. That's the promised land over there. There's Jericho. That's their first battle when they cross over. God could have taken them from that place straight up into there, but he doesn't. He takes them on a little bit of a longer journey because he wants to teach them to walk with him. And at Elam and at Marah, there's, there's, there's bitter waters that he says to them, he said, they say to him, oh, the waters are bitter. What are we going to do? We might as well go back to Egypt. And he says, no, don't be silly. Just take that piece of wood, throw it into the water, and do what he says, and the waters turn sweet. So they learn the lesson. Ah, oh, when we've got need, we don't panic and want to go back to Egypt and our old ways. We trust God for what he has for us. So... It's this journey that they're on, and they go through here. Rephidim is where they meet the Amalekites. This is uh, Exodus chapter 17. Joshua fights on the plains, and Moses is with his hands up. That's where it happens there. Then they get to Horeb, Mount Sinai. This is where the law is given to them. This is the place where God makes a covenant with his people, and he teaches them that they are going to be different from the rest of the nations and how to live to be different from the rest of the nations. So he gives them his commands. He gives them the ability to live. He gives them social rules. He gives them all sorts of, of different ways, economic uh, rules that they to live by, um, ways that they to adopt, because actually he doesn't want them to be like the rest of the nations. They need to be a distinct people. And then what he does from there, it gets to a point where Moses says to them, and we're going to read it now in Deuteronomy, um, he says to them, he says, actually, you know what? It's the time here is finished. It's time to go and get our inheritance. And what happens is the, the journey from Mount Sinai, which is there, point eight, up to Kadesh Barnea, 
which is where they send out the 12 tribes. This is where they, uh, the 12 spies into, into uh, Canaan. Notice that the spies didn't have to cross anything. All they had to do was walk through into the hill country, see what was there, and come back there. It, was, it wasn't a difficult thing. They just need to go and see and then come back. Ten of them come back with a bad report saying the land is good, but we can't do it because the people are too fierce and the cities are too fortified. And two of them say, no, 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 don't do that. We are, we can do it. God's told us. But anyway, from, that's, it's, that's where that happens from when Moses sends out, sends out the spies. But the journey from Mount Sinai, which is there at point eight, to Kedesh Barnea into the promised land should have taken them 11 days. It ended up taking them 13,780 days. Because they didn't obey God. You see, God, they allowed God to take them out of slavery, but they didn't allow God to take them into the promise. And the tragedy of our Christian lives is if we begin to wonder a journey that should be taking 11 days actually takes us nearly 14,000 days because we're wandering around here, eating dust in the desert. God's caring for us. God's looking after us. God's giving them manna to eat. God's giving them quail to eat. God's looking after them. He's where he's, it says their, their, their clothes didn't even wear out. He looked after them so profoundly. But it was not the place that God intended for them to live. And so what happens is sometimes it's easier, easier for us to settle in the desert and eat sand sandwiches because that's what we know rather than risk the unknown and stepping into what God has for us by faith in the midst of, and, 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 and counter opposition. And so this is, this is the story. So what happens is they send out the twelves and eventually the, 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 the spies. Then eventually God says to them after this generation that crossed the Red Sea, remember there was a whole bunch of young kids that crossed there. There was a bunch of adults, and it was the adults that said, no, we can't do it. God gets to this place at Kadesh Barnea, and there is a whole bunch of kids now grown up after 38 or 40 years. They're now 38 and 40 years old. And now God has to teach them again what it means that God has for them. So he doesn't just take them this way, which is the easy way through the, the kind of just on land into these tribes. What he does, he says, actually, no, I want you to go this way. And he takes them around and he gets them to fight a couple of battles. You see, these, that's why the people in Joshua says to, say to Moses, just as we obeyed Moses, we'll obey Joshua. That might sound a bit strange to you because the people didn't obey Joshua and Moses. No, but the, it was the young kids that had grown up. They, they obeyed Moses. And they go along this journey. They fight some battles. They defeat a king called Sion. They defeat a king called Og. And uh, they, they move through here, and they start to learn, and God teaches them that actually if you walk with me and if you do what I say, you'll win the battles. And then what he does is he, he, he wants to show them his power, so he doesn't just take them this way. He takes them this way here, and there's, this, is where, this is the Dead Sea, and this is the, the, the River Jordan here that's in flood when they get there. And so he says, now what I'm going to do is I'm going to show you my power and I'm enable you to cross a flooding uh, river. And so uh, all the way, he's teaching them lessons. He's showing them. He's teaching them ways of how to defeat and how to listen. And eventually they cross over into the promised land. And just in case, if you can go to the next picture there, Sue. This is a great picture of, that's Jericho. That's Ar. They, they, they defeat, they, the walls of Jericho come down. And then they move on to Ar, which is the next battle. But what's amazing to see, the reason why I'm showing you this is that they cross over here somewhere. 
There's Adam. It says, that the, it says that the river backs up to a place called Adam. That's all that way there, drives up, drives up. And so they cross over the river here. But what's interesting to think, you think, well, you'd get across the river and then you would say, well, God, gee, that was amazing. It's time to rest and to park off and to begin to plow. But no, 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 they don't. They hit Jericho. Like you can see Jericho from the river. It's that close. So straight after this power encounter where they see the river, the river back up, they walk straight across the land and straight into Jericho, the first battle they have to fight. All the way along, God promising them blessing and milk and honey of the land, the inheritance that they were going to have. It is quite interesting to know as well is that God doesn't take them up this way here. You see, God is a strategist, military strategist as well. So what he does, is he takes them up the middle of the land and he separates that group from this group so they can't all form allies and fight them here. He separates them. So that, and these guys form allies and these guys form allies, but he actually defeats them. He separately divides them. So God, God in every way is planning their victory in exactly the same way God is planning our victory as we walk with him into what God has for us through the name of the, Jesus. So if you can go to the book of Deuteronomy, And uh, this is all key because we need to understand this if, if, we, if we're going to understand the context of Joshua and as we begin to walk through the, the book of Joshua. Deuteronomy in the, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the Hebrew Bible wasn't called Deuteronomy. It was just called the words. And if you read the first, few, uh, uh, the first phrase of the book of Deuteronomy, it says, these are the words. So the book in the, in the Hebrew Bible was just called the words. And uh, what happened was, 200 years or so before Jesus was born, the Septuagint was written. That was the Greek translation of the Jewish, Jewish scriptures. And when they, when they wrote the, the Greek translation of the Jewish scriptures, they translated this Deuteronomy, which means second law. So this is the second giving of the law. Why do we need a second giving of the law? Why is this book necessary? Remember, those kids never heard the law. So Moses has to now recite to them what the plans of God and the promises of God are to them because, number one, they haven't heard it. Number two, he's handing over leadership to Joshua. And so these, this group of people now need to understand what God's doing. And so you see Deuteronomy, it recounts the history and then goes back into the laws and the, and the promises of God that he has for the people. So this is what, he, this is what it says there in verse 6. The Lord your God said to us at Horeb, remember where Horeb is? If we go back to that other one there, Sue, please. Horeb, that's Horeb there. He says to, the Lord your God said to us at Horeb, you had stayed long enough at this mountain, break camp and advance into the hill country of the Ammonites. Break camp and advance into the hill country, this place here. Tonight's word message is this. It's time to break camp. You've stayed long enough at this mountain. It's been a good mountain. They received the law of God. They heard the voice of God at the mountain. But that mountain was in the desert. It wasn't in the promised land. And although there's a legitimate moment for us to be in the desert and, to, and that wilderness moment as we transition into what God has for us, friends, we're not meant to live our lives there. And he says here, it's time now 
to move on, you stayed long enough at this mountain, break camp, and advance into the hill country. And I want to say to all of us, you've stayed long enough at this mountain. It's time to break camp. Not just break camp, but advance into the hill country, into the promised land of what I have for you. It's time to break camp. You know what, friends? We're not meant to make a camp in the desert. It's not meant to be our place of settling. It's meant to be our place of thoroughfare. And when we start to think that actually it's, we think of the grace of God as the, God, the grace of God that took us out of Egypt, but we don't understand the grace of God that takes us into an inheritance, we're living in half of what God has for us. And this is what he says to the people here. Actually, I'm going to show you all of my, my, my plan for you. Break camp and advance into the hill country of the Amorites. Go to all the neighboring peoples in the Arabah, in the mountains, in the western foothills, in the Negev, and along the coast, to the land of the Canaanites and to, to Lebanon, as far as the great river Euphrates. See, I have given you this land. Go in and take possession of the land that, your father, that, you, that I swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and to their descendants after them. See, he's telling these young people that didn't know this. He's saying, listen, there's a promise over you and your fathers. And it's, a, it's not just to them. It was Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that it was given to. And this is the promise that you now, this generation, are going to go and cross into. Glenridge Church, it is our generation right now that is in the brink of crossing over into a new part of our inheritance. For every single one of us. Not just for us as a community, but for every single one of us. We've spent long enough at this mountain. It's time to break camp, and it's time to advance into the hill country and take what is legitimately yours in God. At that time, I said to you, you are too heavy a burden for me to carry alone. And Moses goes on, and he tells them that actually what happened was, he was it was too heavy a burden for him to carry these people alone. Actually, he had to put a team in place. And so we see team leadership beginning to emerge through Moses' leadership. Down to verse 19. Then as the Lord our God commanded us, we set out from Horeb and went towards the hill country of the Amorites through the vast and the dreadful desert that you have seen. And so we reached Kadesh Barnea. Kadesh Barnea, there we go. Then I said to you, you have reached the hill country of the Amorites, which the Lord your God is giving us. See, the Lord your God is giving, us, giving you the land. Go up and take possession of, the, of, of, this, of it as the Lord your God, your fathers, told you. Do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. You see, friends, we're in a season, and I'm going to keep saying this, where God has given us an inheritance, but we have to possess it. You see, we believe in a God of miracles. It means now you've got to step into the place where we believe. Believe has become such a soft word because I believe in this and I don't believe in that. Believe in the Bible means I trust. I trust in God. I put my life in His hands. I put, I, my life depends on His word. I trust in God, the God of, the, of, God, of God, miracles. To the point where actually I go and pray for the sick. And I put myself in a place where actually God has to break in, otherwise I'm, I'm, I'm done. That's what it means to believe in God. It's not just an intellectual, no, I believe in God. No, it's to actually trust in God. And so what he's saying is, actually, I want you to possess this. Then all of you came to me and said, let us send a man ahead of us 
Verse 26. But you were unwilling to go up, and you rebelled against the command of your Lord. What happened was, he sends the spies, 10 come back, and those 10, those 10 begin to spread a bad report, as we'll see here. But you were unwilling to go up and rebelled against the command of the Lord your God. You grumbled in your tents and said, the Lord hates us, so he brought us up out of Egypt to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us. Where can we go? Our brothers have made us lose heart. The first thing I want to say about that little portion of text is this, is that they grumbled in their tents. It's amazing how people don't grumble in public. They grumble in private in twos and threes so that they can get people to agree with them. But friends, we end up agreeing with people and disagreeing with God. And so what he says here, he says, stop grumbling. Stop going into your tents and your dining room tables and talking about what God isn't doing and how impossible this task is. Actually, rather get together and say, God, you're a God of miracles. You're a God of the impossible, and we're trusting you. These people are big. There's, 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 their cities are fortified. But I know that, and it's impossible, but you are telling us to go so we can trust you. And we'll go. The Lord hates us. You see what happens, friends. When, we, when we're about to step into an, our inheritance, one of the greatest things that we've got to guard is to, un, or, uh, to know is that the, the character of God. God doesn't hate us because we're facing opposition. God loves us. God is a good father. You see, one of the great, the great steps, the transitions that we have to make from coming out of to going into is we have to transition from slavery mindsets into sonship mindsets or daughtership mindsets. See, in slavery mindsets, Pharaoh is my boss, and I can't do anything unless he lets me. And he doesn't like me, he's against me, he enslaves me. And what we do is we put that on God. No, no, no. A sonship mindset understands that God is my father and has an inheritance for me and has good things for me and is planning good things for me and for us as a people. We've got a transition from slavery to sonship. It's one of the big moves that need to happen as we journey with God. Where can we go? They're going to destroy us. Our brothers made us lose heart. This is like Adam and Eve. No, she made me do it. Actually, no, my brothers made me lose heart. Or my sisters made me lose heart. Friends, this is number one a place where actually God wants to give us heart, wants to give us strength and courage, number one. And number two, as brothers and sisters, we need to be encouraging one another. As brothers and sisters, we need to be saying, yes, you can do it. You can do it. God's on you. God's with you. Has God spoken to you? Yes. What did he say? X, Y, Z. Well, then go and do X, Y, Z. And we need to be standing alongside people and encouraging each other to say, this is your time. Go for it. Not making people lose heart. Listen, carry on and see what it says here. Our brothers have made us lose heart. They say the people are stronger and taller than we are. The cities are large with walls up to the sky, and we even saw the Anakites there. Understand this, friends. To be a son of God, 
or a daughter of God, know this, you will face opposition. But you face it with your Father going ahead of you. And the opposition that you face will always be those threefold. People and what they say. Situations and contexts whose walls seem like they reach to the sky. It's impossible. It's an impregnable, it's an impossible situation. It's an impossible business deal. It's an impossible marriage healing. It's an impossible physical healing. It's impossible. Those walls reach to the sky. We cannot get through that. People that will talk nonsense and lies, impossible situations, and the Anakites. These were these giant people, and there's a whole story with them. These were these supernatural kind of being giant people that actually, and there will always be those three things, people, situation, context, and supernatural opposition from the devil. Always, friends. So you've got to know that that's what you're going to face. You've just got to deal with it like a son or a daughter, not like a slave. Like a son or a daughter. And, we, and that song, uh, uh, Brandon said, we, we love you, Lord. These are not just words. You know, to enter into worship, friends, is that when we say enter in, what you mean by that is that we enter in that these words are not just words we're singing. They're declarations we're making, truth declarations we're making. And so you enter into that worship. You enter into those words. We believe in you, Lord. We believe in you. You're the God of miracles. You're the God that brings down the walls. You're the God that beats the Anakites. You're the God that brings down the words of people that are around me. I believe in you. I trust in you. Then he said to them, do not be terrified and do not be afraid. The Lord your God is going to be going before you. The Lord your God, who is going before you, will fight for you as he did for you in Egypt before your very eyes and in the desert. Friends, the inheritance that God has for us, he's already there. In. He's gone before us. So you see, God is not asking us to step into nothing. He's actually asking us to step into his presence and into his person. That's where the inheritance is. And friends, when what we do is if we start missing God and we stop stepping into God and we start going our own way, we actually step away from what God has for us because he's not there, he's there. And what he does is he calls us to himself because he goes before us. And when we step into God and we step into what he has when he's already there before us, he's already fighting the battle. He's already fighting the battle. That's the point in Joshua when Joshua sees the angel of the army of the host of heaven. He comes across this man dressed in battle gear. And he realized this is the angel of the Lord. It's like Jehovah himself. This is a God being. And he says to him, whose side are you on? And the angel basically says to him, bro, it's not about which side I'm on. Which side are you on? God's already here doing something. You're just walking into it. You see, God was already positioned defeat of Jericho in the heavenly realm. All these people had to do is put their feet in there and be with the God that was already there and actually destroy the enemy. 
and fight the battle. That is how we do it. We don't sing the song, this is how we fight our battles. We surround ourselves with you. Because it's just a nice song and it rhymes nicely. No, friends, that's how we fight our battles. We surround ourselves with him. He's gone before us. We step into him. We keep stepping into him. We keep stepping into him. And he fights for us. It's a beautiful thing. And so what he's doing, he's trying to teach these guys this, these young guys that have grown up now in the desert. There, he said, you did. We, your father saw it in Egypt as I brought you out. And you saw it, you young guys, when we beat Sion and we beat Og, those, those, those kings. There you saw how the Lord your God carried you as a father carries his son all the way you went until you reached this place. You see, the, the understanding of we don't serve Pharaoh a boss or a headmaster, we serve God a father. It's like a father carries his son, he says. So it's like, it's like he's teaching these kids to walk, holding their hands. Okay, now just do this. Just go here. Then just go there and just go. But he's holding them. He's supporting them. And they're growing up in him. So no longer is he there. And he's growing up and they're growing up. And eventually he doesn't have to hold them. And eventually they're just listening to his voice and responding to him. That's what we're meant to do. Friends, we're not meant to live in the desert. It's time to break camp. And head into the hill country and advance. In spite of this, you did not trust in the Lord your God. You see, that's the issue. Do we trust God? I had the, the picture this morning, we, 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 this week we had um, some guys come and adjust our sound and do some stuff for our sound. And Paul Roberts, uh, and we've got to buy these things called DR boxes. So we've got to buy a few of them and they're not cheap things. So I said, well, why do you need a DR box? So Paul, Paul Roberts said, well, I've never really had anybody explain it to me. And Shazzy, the guy that was doing the thing, said, no, let me, let me explain it to you. And so let me, let me just show you what a DR box is. This is a DR box. And what a DR box does is it takes this cable like this, which is kind of a, it's a kind of two-cabled two thing with like a one prong, you know, one of these things. It's, I mean, you can see I'm a sound guy. And what it does is it converts it into a three-cable, three-prong thing. You see that? goes from two to three. And what that does, and the reason why you need this DR box, is that if you leave it at just the two cable thing, and you take it over a long distance, over that distance, number one, the sound is unbalanced. So what the DR box is, it balances it. Second of all, this, this, this cable, if it runs over a long distance, what it does, it's an electrical thing, so it gathers sound along the way, so that by the time it gets to the sound desk, it's all fuzzy and noisy. What the DR box does is it takes that signal and converts it, it converts it into a three-phase kind of thing where the two cables run, but there's a ground, there's a sheath that runs over it that stops noise from gathering it as it gets to the, to the sound desk. And it's a little bit like that. And, and this is for us with Jesus. And I said this this morning. You know what, DR, it's got its own fancy name, but actually I want to call it a DR box. You see, what happens, friends, when we die to the voices and we die to the noises 
and we die to ourselves and we listen to God, God, God converts the unbalanced signal and the signal that picks up noise that doesn't come out true at the other end, converts it into a different cable so that it's protected and goes, runs true to the other side. And so actually what we've got to do is we've got to make sure that we live through the DR box, through the DAR box. And what God wanted to teach these guys here is that actually you need to plug into a DR box, a DAR box, so that actually when you hear me, you don't begin to go off track, you listen to me and you let me protect what I've said and it become true to the other side. It's an absolute, and this is what he's trying to do. He's trying to teach them to trust God. You see, our issue, friends, most of the time is we don't trust God. And I, friends, I'm talking to myself. We don't actually trust God. It's not that we can't hear from God. We can hear from God. But we don't trust what he says in the face of opposition. And to get hold of that inheritance, friends, means in the face of opposition, in the face of battles, we trust God and we do what he says because he's there ready waiting for us. It's a beautiful, beautiful picture. In spite of this, you did not trust the Lord your God. You went ahead on your own journey. This is what we do. In, in fire by night and in cloud by day to search out places for you to camp and to show the way you should go. When the Lord heard that uh, what you said, he was angry and solemnly swore that not nobody of that generation was going to enter in. Except for Caleb, son of Jephna, he will see it and I will give him and his descendants the land he set his feet on because he followed the Lord wholeheartedly. This guy Caleb and another guy Joshua, which is what we're talking about, the book of Joshua, they were different to the rest of them. And I love what he says here. He says, I will give it to him. He will see the land because he trusted me. He will see the land and I will give it to his descendants. One of the great things if we're going to start living in our inheritance, friends, is we've got to start thinking generationally. We've got to start thinking about our kids' kids. And we've got to start thinking the life I'm living, is it, going to, is it something that my children's children can build their lives on? Is it, am I building something? Am I living in such a way that actually I can pass something on to the next generation, that can pass something on to the next generation? Because actually there's a thing called generational blessing that comes on the people of God when we start to live like that. And actually what he's saying, he's saying actually, you see the decision that Caleb made affected his descendants. The decisions that we make now when it comes to this building and this lease affects our descendants, the, the, the kids to come. The decisions that we make in our lives, the people that we marry, the, the, the choices that we make, friends, affects our descendants. And we've got to know this, that when we go into the land, what we do matters for our kids. What are you building? How are you building? Is it something that your kids can follow on and build on? Verse 37, because, you are the, because of you, the Lord became angry with me also and said, you're not going to enter it. But your assistant Joshua, son of Nun, will enter it. Encourage him because he will lead the Israel to inherit it. It's actually quite amazing that because God says, actually, Moses, you're not going to go in. Joshua is. You see, if Moses wasn't thinking generationally, he would have got very miffed with that and said, well, Lord, it's not fair. 
What about me? Look at all I've done and look all I've put up with and look what I've done and you've done and all this, this, that I, I make one mistake, I, I strike the rock instead of speak to it and you, you don't let me go in. No, 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 you see, friends, for Moses, he's not thinking about himself. He's thinking about the people and the generation to come. So his job is to see Joshua as the next leader and to blow wind into his sails. You know, friends, as new eldership couples emerge and come onto leadership, older people, especially those that have been around for a long enough time, have the opportunity to think, well, where, who are these young guys? Where have they come from? Where are these young people? No, 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 no. Think like Moses. How can I strengthen and encourage you so that you walk into what you call to do, that this church can be what it can become in the next 10, 15, and 20 years? You see, we've got to think generationally. Moses thought generationally. He didn't think about himself only. And the little ones you said, that you said were to be taken captive, your children who did not yet know good from bad, they will enter the land. You see, Joshua will lead them, and these kids, they're going to enter. So you see, for Moses, his heart is glad. The people are going in. Our friends are going in. Oh no, Lord, what about me? It's not fair. Look at this guy. He didn't even deserve it. He did nothing. He's lived a terrible life. I've done everything right, Lord. No, friends. This is the time where we blow wind in each other's sails. What can I do for you to make sure that you reach your inheritance? What can I blow? What can I pray for? What can I give to you? How can I help you? And so they walk on into this land. Time is up. One of the things, if we are going to move from a wilderness into an inheritance mindset, and it's time to break camp, we've got to move from an event orientation or mindset into a journey mindset. You see, crossing over the Red Sea out of Egypt was a moment in time. They were set free. It's like what Jesus does. When we say yes to Jesus, in a moment you, get, you become the temple of the Holy Spirit. In a moment you get set free. You have the potential of, you have a Father in heaven. You have everything you need for life and godliness. But the problem is you start the journey of learning to live that out in actuality. And if you keep going back to a moment or keep needing a moment or keep needing an event instead of learning to walk with God into an inheritance that he has for us, because it doesn't stop, friends. We have to keep going into our inheritance right till the end of our days. We'll not stop walking into more of God because everything about God is more and increase. It's not decrease and settling down and desert living and, and just surviving. He actually wants us to thrive, not just survive. Caleb was a different spirited man. He had a, he had a, uh, some translations say he had another spirit. And when you say spirit, it's not with a big S, it's with a small S. It's himself. He, he had something different in his disposition inside of who he was that enabled him to follow God wholeheartedly or fully follow God. 
And it's that that took him into the promised land. I believe God in this next season is asking us to break camp and advance into the hill country. But it's going to take men and women with another spirit, with a different kind of heart, with a heart that understands what it means to fully follow him and believe in what he's doing. Caleb was a man that quite had a growing faith. Even when he was 80 years old, waiting to go into the, into the across the desert, uh, uh, the, not the desert, the river, he said these words in Joshua chapter 14, I'm still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out to spy the land. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. He had, he had something in him that would not let go of God. And he believed God right to the very end. God is releasing over us, over, the, over this time, over your lives, over my life, over our lives, friends, a different kind of a spirit, a spirit that will be committed, that will hunger for God, that will trust God and step into what he has for you. And my prayer is this, is as we journey along Joshua and we cross the rivers and we, and we go into Jericho and we go into Ion, we learn the lessons of what it means to take hold of an inheritance and to, to claim an inheritance, that God will put that spirit in us, the Caleb spirit, the Joshua spirit, fully devoted to him, fully taking hold of him, stepping into something. Lastly, I want to say this. I was having a conversation with somebody this week, and he said he has the picture of a circle with a line down the middle, and he feels like he's always in one camp or the other, kind of in the world and in the kingdom. But you, you see, friends, we don't live lives, divided lives like that. That's not the picture of how we to live as kingdom people. The picture is more like, it's more like this. See, the picture that we live is not, is not something that's divided and that's the world and we divide ourselves. That's not it. The picture is like this. We live in seated in heavenly realms, fully ourselves and fully in God, and we live heaven to earth. We don't live divided with divided hearts. We live with whole hearts, fully devoted to Him. And from this place of being blessed by God, of following this God, this Father God, what we do is we live from that place to earth and we impact earth and earthly things and earthly dimensions because we live in a different space. We live with a relationship with God and we live down like that. We don't live half and half. And what happens if we live half and half lives, friends? We end up staying in the desert and wondering why we're there. This is not desert time. This is inheritance time in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.